The views expressed on the Nova Society are those of the participants and do not reflect the view of any institution any participant is associated with. We'd like to welcome everyone back to the Nova Society, and today our panel will have a discussion around women, and we're going to be talking about the status of women as it relates to the social political climate of today. We ask ourselves, are women regressing back to a state of where they are losing some of the political and social advances that they've made over the past century? And are they actually becoming the new second-class citizens? So let's listen in. Well, and, I, and I'll tell you that that kind of leads me into the next one because this this is kind of a uh, this is kind of developed out of poor New Hampshire. Now that we beat up a little bit on New Hampshire, we've had a black president. We now have a female vice president. But I mean, our panel splits evenly: two males, two females. And you've been talking a lot about different things that people have said about women. And as a father of four daughters, I would like to know: we'll go around the room. Are women now? the true social, political, second-class citizens. Is that why we do not have a woman president yet? Where pretty much all the other countries around the world have had women leaders in far, you know, as far as prime ministers and queens and things like that. Have, have, we, have we started to create, and again, we're talking about the idea of reproductive rights and things like that. We have no, pro if this, if they would never take away the man's right to have a vasectomy, but they will take away a woman's right for an abortion. Or, or make um, it mandatory. Or make, or make it, yeah, or make it mandatory. Is this the direction that, that you guys feel that we're moving in? I think it's incredibly telling. <clears throat> Oscar nominations came out yesterday. And Oppenheimer swept the nominations. I think there's an Oppenheimer in almost every category. Barbie also got Best Picture nomination, but the woman director and the actress who led the movie did not. The uh, man who played Kin was nominated for Best Supporting Actor, and his anthem I'm Just Ken, which is all about blonde fragility and the patriarchy, got nominated for Best Song. So I don't know if I would go quite so far as to say second-class citizens, but I, I think there is definitely something in the zeitgeist that devalues women. And, you know, when we when we think about things like reproductive rights, reproductive rights have always been a point of contention, you know, and then, you know, you get something like Roe v. Wade and it's like, oh, man, Roe v. Wade, you know, we don't necessarily like that. But, hey, you know, we're losing we're losing membership in our churches. What if we make Roe v. Wade a church issue and then we get people to come back to our churches and now we have a religious right? You know, so it's <laughs> I think women become. Uh, leverage for some of the um, justifications for, you know, the the social and political decisions that uh, that get made along the way. However, <laughs> as Barbie shows, there's like best-selling movie of last year. Women especially resonated it, but with it, so did a lot of men, and so did a you know a lot of people across the gender spectrum. Like it was a very strong movie of empowerment because at the end of the day it's about shining a light on patriarchy and how much harm 
patriarchy can do. And, uh, and in a fun way, because who doesn't like Barbie? And <sighs> as Scott and I both hold up our hands. <laughs> okay. But as a father of four daughters, you did have Barbies at home, I assume. That's that's why I didn't w- go watch the Barbie movie. I, I I did watch Oppenheimer, but I didn't go. I had plenty of Barbie in their younger years, and I'm I'm totally done with Barbie. Uh, I part- have uh, I have two daughters, and I did go see Barbie with one of my daughters and my wife. I thought it was a kind of a mild, entertaining movie, not my cup of tea exactly. <laughs> But uh, and I haven't taken the Academy Award seriously since Raging Bull lost. So I I, I have boycotted it since 1980. I think that was and and have paid no attention to it. So I did see that Greta Gerwig. I I also thought Margot Robbie Robbie didn't get nominated, but I may be wrong about that. But who cares? Um, I I think your second point is the more salient point about um, about bodily control. And a report came out in the Journal of um, Medicine today that there have been, get this, 64,565 pregnancies caused by rape in the 14 states where abortion is banned. Wow. I mean, if that isn't the craziest thing you have ever heard in your life, these states with total bans of abortion, with no exceptions for rape, uh, who want women to carry the the baby to term, it, it is, I mean, this is 65,000 women who who lost the right to abort a baby that was that they didn't ever want and was forced upon them. And that is that is heartbreaking as a father as a as a husband um as a son and you you know we've got to you know we we've got to we've got to change that there ne- there needs to be uh legislation for a row across america and uh and that's a you know i i, I don't think that women are second class citizens but i do believe as i said before <clears throat> that women who are some of whom are highly intelligent, look past this issue or don't care about this issue or are willing to excuse it or like I, I'm not really sure what the mentality is there that they support um, politicians who would deny them their right to control their own bodies. It's baffling, but it's not much more baffling than a lot of other things that we see from men and women both. All right. So with that, and that very interesting point that's, that Scott made, uh, and I'll add this on with you, Brooke, and it'll, of course, come back to Priscilla. Uh, of course, your original question, are you guys, be, you know, are women becoming second-class citizens? And again, you, myself, and Scott are of a certain age compared to our millennial, uh, and we may have a different perspective onto it. But the second part to that, because something that Scott brought up, is this really an issue because women just haven't paid attention to it? Is it because you haven't stood up? Is that one of the reasons that this is that? The, and I could see Priscilla laughing. Uh, I mean, is this why? Because not enough women are standing up. But first question is: Do you think that women are becoming the new second-class citizens? 
Well, I don't know if we're becoming the new second-class citizens. I'm, in my view, you know, we were never quite equal. We never quite got there with the uh, the amendment, you know, for equal pay or whatever it was that didn't that didn't pass. Oh, that's a terrible number, Scott. That really is a terrible number. I was talking with a young family member, preteen family member, recently, and I uh, pointed out the fact that women across the country in certain states no longer had the right to terminate a pregnancy. And I uh, was speaking to the young family member just to be careful and to speak to her parents about birth control when reaching the age and having a boyfriend and so forth. The young family member responded with absolute outrage. They're taking rights away and shouting and uh, i said well if you feel that way maybe you want to become maybe you want to think about becoming a lawyer so i explained the difference between republican and democrat and the law what roe versus wade was and what dobbs was i said it's going to be up to i said i can vote now but in a few years you'll be able to vote and it's going to be up to up to people of your age uh, to fix this mess, I said, you know, you want to be careful because um, in New York, this is still legal at the moment, um, but not everywhere. Uh, and I think that, um, I mean, before uh, medicine uh, became a um, something that was in the control of men who were allowed to go to medical school, whereas very few women were allowed into medical school and it became a man's profession, women would take care of um, the needs of other women, um, including um, aborting uh, unwanted uh, pregnancies. Of course, when, before abortion became legal in the United States, there were illegal abortionists and many women died. Um, and now we're at the point where women are being denied needed care, uh, including women whose uh, fetuses are not viable and women are being sent home uh, to wait until they become sick enough that they're nearly dying themselves and they may never be able to have children, which um, renders them um, sterile denies the, the women the right to have children later if they want. I mean, and that to me is um, indicative of didactic control uh, that is absolutely um, wrong. And I'm not sure if women who support right to life, I, I, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, I don't even think that they're thinking it they're not thinking about the woman who's alive and her right to life. They're not thinking about healthy children and their right to life. They're not thinking about a rape victim. I, I really don't think that they're thinking. I, I honestly don't understand how people who believe themselves to be enlightened or educated in any way can, um, can set you know, precedent or, or can, can usurp control over someone else's body and say, 
I, I want to control what I do with my body and, oh, I'm going to control what you do with yours. That's wrong. They can do what they want with their own bodies. If they don't want to have an abortion, that's fine. But they have no right to, um, well, I don't know whatever happened to life, liber- liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Um, that seems to have been entirely corrupted here. Well, let's remember that is all men are created equal. Yeah, I, I know that. That that was a mistake that needs to have been uh, addressed, but I don't think it ever will be. And at the rate that we're going as a nation um, with more uh, male control, uh, certainly in the Republican Party, women are, are becoming um, less and less heard rather than more and more heard. So I think that Nikki Haley should stick it out to the end. I think that oh, happened last night. I think the end happened last night, though. All right, well, yeah, but there are other uh, there are other primaries. But if the trends go the way they are, her her path forward is is Limited. is almost non-existent. I I again before I get to Priscilla and asking the question that she was laughing at uh, that I was asking. Um, here, here's here's the thought. Let's say Trump gets gets convicted and goes to jail, and nobody stayed in the race. <laughs> who's who's your Republican nominee? So for Nikki Haley, maybe the best thing is to do is just hang around and just hope that he gets thrown in jail, and you're the last, you know, you're the last man standing or woman standing. Uh, uh yeah, okay. Uh, so so Priscilla, to the idea that um, that women just aren't, you know, making this an issue. I mean, women outnumber men in the United States. You are a powerful voting block. Why are, why are things not changing uh, for the betterment of women? I'm going to say a name for somebody who was very prominent before my time. So I'm speaking a little bit out of my wealth of knowledge, but Phyllis Schlafly. Mm-hmm. So Phyllis Schlafly is probably my archetypal like anti-woman. Um, so when I'm when you're asking about like why aren't women getting involved, well, here's a really great example. She's somebody who got involved in a very subversive sort of way because she targeted specifically like housewives and spoke to family values, like ways that can really just get underneath your fingernail, but not with the type of loud um, uh, vociferousness of the women's rights, rights movement. In fact, that's what she was critiquing. She's like women who are going out there and, you know, they're, they're not, they're out there protesting and they're writing all of this garbage in their magazines. They're not home taking care of kids. They're not home supporting the values of family, you know, and she, she spun the narrative in a very specific kind of way that demonized these other women. Um, but in the right way, to speak to a very specific kind of mindset that we see emerging in the 70s going into the Reagan era. You know, I, I would say her efforts at shooting down ERA actually helped to elect Reagan. And that whole mindset gets, you know, starts to roll into where we are today with women. I think women absolutely are standing up 
the thing is, is you've got the women who are standing up and, you know, doing their marches and wearing their pink hats and stuff along those lines. You do have these women. But then you have the women who um, are in the shadows. And, you know, when you're looking at family values and um, like a pro-family movement, these are women who are used to being in the shadows, but they're also used to manipulating from the shadows. And so they're doing their thing (laughs) like this. There is intentionality happening, but because they're in the shadows, those of us who are out here staging our protests and having our marches don't see it. So, you know, this group of women are highly visible. People see them, you know, they're like, oh, look at what those women are doing. But these women's over here who are in the shadows, we don't know what they're doing, but they they are manipulating. I mean, it's I was just listening slightly unrelated, but not <clears throat> to a uh, interview with an author about the rise of religious homeschooling in America, mm-hmm. which happens to coincide with this time period and how, you know, we're getting to the point now where the first generation of homeschooled children are now reevaluating their parenting practices as they see start sending their children to school. And, you know, part of the whole homeschooling movement was we don't want these messages affecting our family values. So we want to insulate our children into our specific family values. So the family, I would argue, has been weaponized as a cult. Like there's a cult mentality that comes through this. And it's like, you know, it's that same kind of insulation. It's that same kind of like, you know, supporting certain people to like protect protect you because, you know, you you give over your um, uh, personhood to this leader and that leader is going to take care of you, right? That's, that's, the, that's the social agreement of a cult. Now it's happening on this very interesting national stage because those figures in the shadows, it's a lot harder for them to hide when you have surveillance everywhere, when you have people taking, you know, camera videos and TikToking all over the place. It's a lot harder to hide, which is also, you know, revealing some of the cracks in the system. But it's so well entrenched that I don't know if we're going to solve it before this coming election. Yeah. And social media has, has very, very much uh, moms for Liberty uh, probably has experienced an awful lot of being, you know, the sunlight being shown upon them and uh, it it has impacted. And again, a a different idea, but, and Shafley, the other three of us, we all know who that is because that is from our time. So really quick around the room one last time, final thoughts, uh, one minute, Scott, what do you got? On anything? On anything. Mm. I'll throw out another name, a little bit more contemporary. Uh, Carrie Lake. Carrie Lake, yes. Carrie Lake is Arizona, is running for U.S. Senate in Arizona. The Republican Party leader of Arizona actually offered her a bribe to sit this one out. Whoa. Because establishment Republicans need new people who are not Trump-associated, 
to try to hold on to what they have left because Trump is going to go down in defeat because they're going to lose more Senate seats because they're going to lose governorships because they're going to lose state legislatures and carry uh, This is, I think new news. Although Carrie Lake referred to it when she spoke at CPAC that somebody had literally come to her door because they could not do this on the telephone. And I guess she recorded the call. I'm not sure who put the audio out, but the audio was out of this guy saying, how, how would you feel? How much would it take for you to set, sit the next couple of years out? And then you can come back to politics if you want. And, you know, she just said, there's no amount that you can give me that will stop me from running for Senate in in Arizona. So the Republican establishment is terrified right now. They know they know what they have. They know that the crazies are taking over the party and that Carrie Lake, one of the one of the better crazies out there who, you know, really follows the Trump playbook to really to a T, you know, declaring that the elections are rigged against her and so on and so forth, um, that they that they want to try to work at least on the edges to stop this because they can't stop the the juggernaut that is Trump. This nomination process is over. I don't think that even being in prison is going to, not that he's going to prison. I mean, they'll put an ankle bracelet on him and let him live at home. I don't think he's going to end up in an orange jumpsuit or anything like that. Um, but, but that, but that this is, you know, the Republican party establishment sees the demise of the Republican party very clearly now. And, uh, and I think we're going to continue to see more and more people retiring or getting out who are more traditional Republicans who just and and that this is one of those inflection moments. The last thing I just want to say, and I'm not going to go into it too deeply, we can talk about it some other time, is, uh, is you know, somebody had mentioned the beginnings of Roe v. Wade and the fact that um, that abortion has always been a, an issue in this country. That is, I don't I don't believe true. Uh, as as with so many problems that we have in this country, we can trace this back to Richard Nixon, who felt that he could unite um, Catholics in the North who supported Kennedy against him and um, and Southern Democrats and and put a wedge issue out there that would uh, that would make them want to leave the Democratic Party. He's the one who began talking about um, abortion as a political issue before uh, Nixon uh, came around. Um, abortion was a private matter that was not political. It was religious. It was personal. And Nixon was the one who decided to make this a, you know, a matter for the Republic. Priscilla, I know you got to go real quick. What do you got? I've got 30 seconds. Um, Geez, I don't know where to even begin. I would say that uh, I think, you know, as we go into this election year, um, paying attention to what's going on in media, film, television, and so forth, since the things that are in production and being released right now will be the first things written post the writer strike. 
And so we'll have a very specific kind of theme coming through as the writers are essentially responding to what they were coming out of from the strike and then responding to what's going on in society concurrently. So some very interesting things probably on the horizon. All right, Priscilla, it was good to see you. We'll, we'll see you. Brooklyn, what do you got? Uh, thinking about the uh, the Oscars and so on and, and the female director having been passed over, um, I was recalling that Catherine Bigelow, who uh, won for Best Director, I don't know if she's the only woman who's ever won an Oscar for Best Director. She tends to, she, as far as I know, only directs um, movies that one might associate more with what a man would direct like like Hurt Locker and um uh K19 the Widowmaker and um oh the one that had uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Patrick Swayze in it uh, Point Break um for example so um I think that's very interesting about um Barbie I did not see either film um but I would have chosen to see Oppenheimer over Barbie I'm I'm not a uh I don't care for uh girly types of films generally I prefer well, something more robust Thank. Well, I guess my, my last thing is, again, as we're always sitting here, I always get an update. John Stewart is coming back to be the host of The Daily Show. Uh, oh, so, man. Yeah, All right. See that? So some good news uh, comes out that uh, John Stewart will be returning after the hiatus he has taken. And I always enjoyed that. And, of course, we'll be able to get some more good material out of uh, out of John Stewart and uh, and. He you know, use some of the stuff that he does. All right, guys, that's about all the time we got for today. This was a good one. Uh, it was a good conversation to have on these topics, and we will do it again next week. You guys take care. Yes, all right. you too. Well. Yep, you too. Bye-bye. So that's all the time we have for today's episode. The Nova Society is a production of the Phoenix Research Institute. We'd like to thank our sponsor for this week's episode. The Phoenix Research Group, an independent research consortium offering social issue solutions to NGOs and international government agencies through multidisciplinary, nonpartisan, and unbiased research. We'd also like to thank our podcast partners, Buzzsprout, who hosts the Nova Society, Audacity, our editing partners, Podkite, who does all our analytics, iHeartRadio, where people get their music and podcasts, Apple iTunes, the largest source of music and podcasts on the internet. Spotify, the most popular source for the Nova Society. The Nova Society is available on all these and other quality platforms mentioned in our description. We'd like to thank our listeners. Without you, the Nova Society would not be possible. If you have a comment, a question, or would like to be a guest on the Nova Society, we can be reached at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. Always remember, the power of society is knowledge. So for Dr. Scott Gershwer, Dr. Priscilla Hobbs, Dr. Brooklyn Ann Weldon, and all of us here at the Nova Society, I'm Dr. Mark Bound. Be well, and we hope to see you again next time.